Hello, friends. Hello, Chris. Hope you're all doing well, uh, whether you're watching live or catching up. Uh, I hope things are, are starting off well for you uh, this week. Let's jump right in. Uh, yesterday, we talked about opposition. We talked about the cycles that that leads us to. We talked about the promise it's trying to be uh, covered up by this opposition that's coming against us. And and really, uh, that, that has kind of pushed me into what I was thinking about this morning. And that is uh, thinking about what it is that we consume, what we take in, uh, read, watch, listen to. Uh, all of that has, has an effect on us. And if, if we're choosing to believe the lies of the opposition, it's it's a, a consuming of that and, and it leads us into those negative cycles, which move us away from the promise. It It is an allowance by us of, of the opposition to cover up what it is it's promised to us. And so uh, I think it's really important thing to, to be aware of, <clears throat> excuse me, be aware of what it is that we are consuming, what we're what we are taking in. And, and if you haven't got the message from this last week, uh, taking in scripture is extremely important. Consuming that and, and you know, just randomly flipping it open and, and reading is great, but intentionality in that consumption is also important as well. What is it that Holy Spirit is leading you to? What is it that he's saying to you right now? What it is that he's wanting to, to have you uh read out of here and and what is it he's highlighting so that you can extract something and i love just sitting down and, and reading uh the stories uh in the bible for for the sake of reading them but but when we're talking about preparing your minds and having a sound mind there is there is an element of intentionality there and not some haphazard uh, uh flipping through this uh, to try to stumble on something. We're, we're not going to consume in that way. We're going to be intentional about what it is we're consuming. So it has, uh, it doesn't have a negative effect on our mind. It doesn't allow opposition to uh, lead us to, to cycles of, of, of sin or, or, or bad behavior, whatever it is you want to term that. And, and so uh, as I was thinking about that, looking at Romans chapter six, and now, uh, as we read through this, you might not see the, the direct connection of, of consuming and what it is that it's saying here, but what you're consuming has a, a direct effect on what it is that you believe. It has a direct effect on your faith. What, what is it that you are believing? And so as we look through this, you'll, you'll be able to, to see that and think about, okay, what what am I consuming and how is it affecting me? How is it uh, uh, steering me? Is what what am I what am I moving towards after I I read something or or watch TV or listen to the radio, whatever it is? And and I'm not saying that there isn't time for entertainment. I, I don't want you to hear that either. However, there there is. Uh, an enemy that is out there trying to use these things to have an effect on us. And it is an effect to either 
get us way off track to where we are are getting into sin or even uh, uh, to get us to a place where we are are lukewarm, where we're just not really doing anything. And, and that's a win for them as well. Anything that can get the body of Christ or humanity at large to just not care, not pay attention, to just exist. That's a win for them too. And so uh, think about that. Think about how it affects your your faith, how it affects uh, what it is that you believe about God. You've heard us talk about that too at length, what you believe about God. It's extremely important. It's one of the most important things because it's going to have a direct effect on how you live and, and the actions that you take. So let's jump in Romans chapter six. I'm going to be reading out of the passion translation. It says, so what do we do then? Do we persist in sin so that God's kindness and grace will increase? And leading up to chapter six, Paul is breaking down uh, the gift of grace and how it's greater than sin. And, and so the, the, the continuation on in here, in this letter in chapter six says, so what do we do then? Do we persist in sin so that God's kindness and grace will increase? Well, that's a, uh, that's an odd thing to think. It, it is an odd thought to kind of walk out to say that, oh, I'm going to continue in sin or I'm, I'm going to sin even more. So I get more grace. And, and that is, that's not having a sound mind because, uh, that displays no level of transformation whatsoever in in following Jesus. It, it, it just shows that uh, uh, it doesn't even show even a, a small level of immature faith. It just it's it's a complete misunderstanding, and there's no transformation in the in the uh, unsound mind that says I'm going to continue in sin, so grace will increase. Verse two, what a terrible thought. We have died to sin once and for all as a dead man passes away from this life. So how could we live under sin's rule a moment longer? Or have you forgotten that all of us who were immersed into union with Jesus, the anointed one, were immersed into union with his death? So he's he's laying it out here. He's starting to tell you, you know, you have been brought into this, right? And so you're, you're dead to that old life, that, that sin once and for all. So you can't allow it to, to be affecting your mind or, or leading you along. Verse four, sharing in his death by our baptism means that we were co-buried and entombed with him. So that when the father's glory raised Christ from the dead, we were also raised with him. We have been co-resurrected with him so that we could be empowered to walk in the freshness of new life. Do you feel empowered to walk in the freshness of new life? I certainly hope so. Are you, as you go about your day, empowering others to walk in the freshness of new life? For since we are permanently grafted into him to experience a death like his, then we are permanently grafted into him to experience a resurrection like his and the new life that it imparts. 
the word grafted, it's, it's an interesting word. And just quickly in one of the definitions, as it relates to surgery, it's a portion of living tissue surgically transplanted from one part of an individual to another or from one individual to another. And here's the important bit right here for its adhesion and growth. There is the grafting that's done. It's, it's for the, the connectedness and then for growth. It doesn't just get moved from one place to another and then doesn't do anything else. You know, it doesn't just remain. It, it, it continues to grow. It becomes part of the new area that that uh, the, the skin has been grafted to. Uh, I, I think of it kind of like uh, it, it's not like a patch that's put on uh, clothing to cover up a hole. That, that's not what this is. It's not uh, uh, grafting isn't a, a patchwork. It's for for adhesion and then growth. And so we have been permanently grafted into the experience of Christ. From from death to burial to resurrection. Goes on in verse six. Could it be any clearer that our former identity is now and forever deprived of its power? So the the person you once were before the cross, it's it's deprived of any power. The, the sin and death that, that ruled over us before, and it's going to get into a little bit more of that here in a minute. It, it's deprived of power. It is completely and utterly powerless. The only power that, that remains in sin and death is anything we try to uh, attempt to breathe life into it. Could it be any clearer that our former identity is now and forever deprived of its power? For we were co-crucified with him to dismantle the stronghold of sin within us so that we would not continue to live one moment longer submitted to sin's power. Obviously, a dead person is incapable of sinning. And if we were co-crucified with the anointed one, we know that we will also share in the fullness of his life. It says, obviously, a dead person is incapable of sinning. I'm not so certain that that's obvious to everyone. Because we, we sure do sometimes do our best to uh, to display the opposite. And we know that since the anointed one has been raised from the dead to die no more, his resurrection life has vanquished death and its power over him is finished. I love that word vanquished his resurrection life that we share in has vanquished death and its power over over jesus over us is finished for by his sacrifice he died to sin's power once and for all but he now lives continuously for the father's pleasure so let it be the same with you since you are now joined with him you must continually view yourselves as dead and unresponsive to sin's appeal while living daily for God's pleasure in union with Jesus, the anointed one. What you're, what you're consuming, what you're taking in has a real effect on this. If you are dead and unresponsive to, to sin's appeal, then 
consuming things that would try to uh, uh, breathe life back into that should give you some pause. Right, sin's appeal it should be dead and unresponsive to sin's appeal while living daily for God's pleasure in union with Jesus, the anointed one. Verse 12, sin is a dethroned monarch, so you must no longer give it an opportunity to rule over your life, controlling how you live and compelling you to obey its desires and cravings. So, unlike God, who, who has given you the free will to follow him, sin, it, it has an element of, of control and compulsion to get you to follow it. But it also says, Paul also says that the sin, sin is a dethroned monarch. So it's, it's lordship over you. It's any uh, uh, authority it had is gone, no longer exists. Goes on and says, so then refuse to answer its call to surrender your body as a tool for wickedness. Instead, passionately answer God's call to keep yielding your body to Him as one who has now experienced resurrection life. You live now for this pleasure. <clears throat> you live now for His pleasure, ready to be used for His noble purpose. I like this part. It says, you know, refuse to answer the call to surrender your body as a tool to wickedness. Uh, instead, passionately answer God's call to keep yielding your body to him. Another way to say this uh, instead of passionately is instead violently answer God's call to keep yielding your body to him. If you're in a fight, there is violence that is required to get through that. Your passion to answer God's call to keep yielding your body to him should, should evoke some kind of response out of you. There, there should be, uh, uh, you know, I'm not going to surrender to this. I'm going to fight through because I know that, that this, this temporary um, uh, pleasure or, or temporary whatever it is that it is rewarded to you through sin. It is just that it's temporary. It's not lasting. It's not forever. It's not eternal. You live now for his pleasure, ready to be used for his noble purpose. Remember this sin will not conquer you for God already has. You are not governed by law, but governed by the reign of the grace of God. What are we to do then? Should we sin to our heart's content since there's no law to condemn us anymore? What a terrible thought. So Paul's bringing it back around again to that, that idea that uh, sinning more brings more grace. And uh, sinning because we're not under the law, we're under grace now. He calls it a terrible thought. Don't you realize that grace frees you to choose your own master? But choose carefully, for your, you surrender yourself to become a servant, bound to the one you choose to obey. If you choose to love sin, it will become your master, and it will own you and reward you with death. But if you choose to love and obey God, he will lead you into perfect righteousness. So you have a choice. Grace offers you the choice to choose your own master.
There's no compulsion there. But what you get led into is a perfect righteousness. Verse 17, and thanks be to God for in the past you were servants of sin, but now your obedience is heart deep and your life is being molded by truth through the teaching you are devoted to. And now you celebrate your freedom from your former master's sin. You left its bondage and now God's perfect righteousness holds power over you as his loving servants. I've used the familiar terms of servant and a master to compensate for your weakness to understand. So they had a weakness to understand what it was that was going on. They didn't have a sound mind. Right. What it, what was uh, that they were consuming was not leading them further into perfect righteousness. For you, just as you surrendered your bodies and souls to impurity and lawlessness, which only brought more lawlessness into your lives. So now surrender yourselves as servants of righteousness, which brings you deeper into true holiness. For when you were bound as servants to sin, you lived your lives free from any obligation to righteousness. I, I like this, this part right here where he says, uh, for just as you surrendered your bodies and souls to impurities and lawlessness, which only brought more lawlessness, what they were surrendering to brought more of. What they were focused on, there was more brought to them. So in, in surrendering to righteousness, more of God's perfect righteousness is what he's going to lead you into, is what is going to be brought to you. Verse 21, so tell me what benefit, what benefit ensued from doing those things that you that you're now ashamed of if left you it left you with nothing but a legacy of shame and death but now as god's loving servants you live in joyous freedom from the power of sin so consider the benefits you now enjoy you are brought deeper into the experience of true holiness that ends with eternal life for sin's meager wages is death but god's lavish gift is eternal life found in your union with our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. Uh, I just absolutely love reading through this because there is this big theme, theme we're talking about, about having a sound mind and uh, being brought into that. And, and you get to look at this theme throughout, and but you get to look at it from different angles. And one of the things in here that we're talking about this morning with, with this is that there is a level of, of faith that you have to have to believe what it is it's, that it's telling you. If you're going to in any way walk this out, you're going to have to just simply believe. And, and what it is that uh, when Jesus walked over earth, he said about us and what we know it is true of us as new creations on this side of the cross. We have to believe that. And we have to start focusing in on Jesus and paying attention to what it is we're consuming. Because if you're going to consume the lies of the opposition, it's going to lead you into cycles of behavior that take you away from the promise. 
that take you away from a sound mind. And so I, I hope that uh, if you haven't watched uh, what we walked through yesterday, go back and do that. Download uh, the the worksheet that we posted in the Unedited Life online uh, Facebook group and, and walk through that this week. See what opposition's coming against you. See what cycles it's leading and see what's being covered up. See what promises are being uh, covered up by that. Get into the word this week. Consume that. Let that be the primary thing that you are, are, are feeding yourself. Yeah, we, we do. We need sharpening. Real, authentic, person-to-person sharpening. But if, if you don't know what's opposing you and you're not sharing that, it's going to be kind of hard. All right. I think that's all I've got to say today. Y'all have a great week. Uh, All right. Bye.